I'm Julian Brandt and you're listening to Scouted Chats. Hello everyone and welcome back to another season of Scouted Says. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Stephen Genovis and Connor Garrett and we're talking youth football. How's it going guys? I'm very well, thank you Jack. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. How are you Connor? I've, I've actually never been better Jack, thanks for asking. Um, it's really good to be back. It's been, it's been too long. Yeah, yeah, it has. It sadly uh, got kind of busy with real life, I think we all did. But we are back for the new season and... You know, it's it's already started in France, and Super Cup's getting underway in a lot of other places, but I wanted to start by talking about some things that happened over the summer, so really that's it's kind of transfers. Yeah, I mean, I think there have been some really interesting deals in the market this season. Um, it's really hard to sort of say what hits me the most, because, like, I mean, obviously, like, there's the whole Neymar thing. I mean, there's been so many deals, I think, on the table just across the board, not, not not strictly speaking about under-23 players, but all players in general. Just every week there seems to be like this new one that's just a completely ridiculous slash amazing price, depending on how you see it. Um, and obviously Neymar's sort of the one that's sort of taking the biscuit in that sense. Um, but I think there've been, there's been some, some really good value deals as well in the window. And the one that I was thinking of mentioning was... Uh, Revolving around one of my clubs, uh, we all know that I'm a, I'm a massive Mainz fan. And uh, I think they've got one of the good value deals of the market uh, this season. Um, Abdou Diallo, a French youth international, I think he was a captain actually, has gone, gone from Monaco for reasonably cheap. I think that's, that's a decent deal. He's, he was never really a regular for them, but um, obviously held in quite high regard. And uh, I think having seen a couple of French players, young as well as sort of maybe a little bit older, transition well into the Mainz team in recent years uh, yeah I'm quite hopeful to see Abdi Diallo hopefully uh, just perform well for Mainz he seems to have settled in reasonably well in pre-season anyway so yeah that's the one that sort of really caught my eye <laughs> yeah he costs five million euro and when people talk about teams plundering Monaco this summer I don't think they'll start by mentioning Abdi Diallo though of course they would probably say Benjamin Mendy and Bernardo Silva going to Manchester City for 57.5 million euros and 50 million euros respectively and Stephen I know you were you were really writing a lot about Monaco last year and I don't know I think you're a big fan of that team or were so I don't know let's I want to hear your opinion on those moves yeah I think Manchester City have just about uh had had the best summer out of any of the big teams in Europe um Bernardo Silva Mendy uh especially Mendy uh, and Danilo really strengthened Aderson as well, you know, keeper. Yeah, they they all, all three of them really strengthened the key areas that uh, City were weak in last season, and Carl Walker, of course. Um, so they they pretty much, and they've gone really young as well with Mendy. Walker's not too old as well. Bernardo Silva, Edison. Um, so I think they've gone young. They've they've strengthened the key areas, and now I'm pretty sure that Pep's got the team that he wants. There's not really any excuses for them to fail this year. Yeah, I think if you look at like a, a lot of Guardiola's teams at uh, Barcelona and Bayern, like he's built around his fullback. So the fact that he's been able to have carte blanche to bring in um, sort of three of the most talented fullbacks in European football at the moment, um, sort of, I mean, it, it sort of promises better things for Manchester City this season, I think. I, I think realistically, although we were saying last year, I think most people were expecting them to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. I personally was expecting them to win the league and obviously didn't quite happen. Um, but I think this season, 
it's looking slightly more likely because yeah, that position that he sort of builds his team around, it's a lot stronger. And obviously, players that he sort of cherry picked from across Europe. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned Pep Pep and his fullbacks because they don't always play, they don't always play just those traditional roles. You know, you have Alaba and Lam were playing midfield roles, and Danilo can play there as well. So, just interesting to see where that where that goes. And it'll, it'll take a lot of pressure off um, Stones and Otamendi in central defence as well because they spent half their time last season either playing in an uncomfortable back three that they hadn't really been tested in or just making up for the absolute lack of coverage provided by Kolarov and Sanya and those type of players all season. Yeah, and so now that we've seen Monaco lose these players, it's interesting to see how they were going to spend that money. They bought Yuri Tillmans from Anderlecht for 25 million euros, and I think that was one of the best best deals of the summer especially when you look at U23 players. He's still only 20. Yeah, 25 million euros is, is pretty much a step for a player that's kind of been in the conscience of nearly anyone that follows or plays football manager or follows uh, football globally for a few years now. Um, and he, he looked really excellent when he came off the bench in his debut the other day. Uh, but I don't think Monaco are going to reinvest too much of the money um, they've kind of gone for those 10 to 15 million euro deals again. They got in uh, Terence Congolo as well to strengthen the defense, but they're not going to replace Mendy. They've got uh, George, the Brazilian left back, who looked really good. Um, they had brought back. They might, they might buy Amavi from Aston Villa. <laughs> uh, but I thought he was more rumored towards Marseille. the 10 million range. Yeah. I don't know. But it, yeah, it's one of those kind of players. You know, it's not going to be a star. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then they also have Ronnie Lopez back to cover Bernardo Silva's uh, position, even though he wasn't so impressive the other night. Um, and Fabinho and Moutinho look pretty good as a partnership in midfield. So, And then they've strengthened, obviously, with Tielemans. So I don't think there'll be too much more movement at Monaco. They've spent their... They've made their 100 million euros and they've spent... Uh, their 150 million euros they've spent their like 50-odd and I think they're happy with to keep the change. Mm, I think the interesting the interesting thing with Tielemans maybe is that although, I mean, obviously he's proven himself in European football in competition for Anderlecht, but uh, playing week in, week out in Belgium, maybe there will be some sort of step up to Ligue 1 that he'll have to, to make. So it might be, I mean, in the short term, we might see a little bit of a drop-off, I think, for Monaco, even among the key players, which I imagine Tielemans has been brought in to be. Although I can't think of anyone better to to, to play alongside than Fabinho pretty much covers you in every single way imaginable and he can really make you look better than you are uh, because of the way he can cover you defensively and just because of his willingness to to play short to to his midfield partner and I think that helped Bakayoko last year and will do wonders for, for Tielemans settling into the team. Yeah, but for, I guess, getting back to Manchester City, it's interesting to see who they sold off. A lot of their old guys walked for free, but Kalichi Hinacho went to Leicester City and... I think it's a, a chance for him to break out now. Yeah, isn't there a buyback for him for Man City? Fifty million pounds. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think feel like for them, money's no issue, so that's kind of okay. Um, it, it's insurance, it's you know. Him. Yeah, it's, it's great for him, and I think obviously with Leicester, they've picked up a, a really good young player for cheap, and obviously a couple of the players they brought in in the summer haven't quite worked. Like, I don't think we saw the best from Musa or Slimani, so. Ian Ache, I mean, he's not exactly a proven player, but he has scored goals in the Premier League before, and I think he's better than any striker they have. So I think it works quite well for both sides. I think they're safe with the buyback clause as well. I think that's a 
uh, an insurance in case Manchester City at one point change managers because I don't think Pep ever sees Ichinacho playing in his system. Uh, I just don't think that they're too compatible. But I think, yeah, Ichinacho will be really good at Leicester. Yeah. Um, and also in the the Premier League, I guess, getting back to, to that, it's going to be one of the best leagues this year. I think all the leagues really are setting up to be very interesting. Serie A will be fantastic. Ligue 1 is PSG, but right after PSG, there's a lot of teams that are going to be competing for those Champions League spots. And it's kind of the same in Germany, I guess. Even Maybe Bayern even in transition. I don't think they could lose the league, though. But on the other side of Manchester, you have Victor Lindelof going to, to Man United City, not buying any center backs. But United trying to invest in that area. How do you think that's going to pan out at the top of the Premier League? I think uh, Pep's happy with the center backs he's got. And I think, uh, just like I do, that a lot of the problems were structural and stemmed from uh, especially, mainly the fullbacks just being pretty much woeful the whole season. Um, but for United, yeah, center back was definitely a, a key position to, to strengthen. You don't want Phil Jones and Chris Smalling being your regular fullbacks anymore if you really want to challenge for the title. Um but I, I still think all over the pitch, City are a bit stronger, even though United are going for all those tall six foot two, six foot three players, but City play a better style, more attacking. And I think as Real Madrid have shown in the last three three, four years that when it gets to the big boys, it's not the defence that wins you the games, it's the attack. And as a Juventus fan that's been killing me for the last three years, but I think that's I think that's where it's all headed now. Yeah, and and we've seen big money paid for star strikers like Lukaku, like Morata going to the Premier League. Um, the market's definitely changed. Players are much harder to find on the cheap, like Usman Dembele. Maybe he's going to go for $100 million to Barcelona. He was $15 million last year for Dortmund. And we I know we wanted to speak about Dortmund a little bit because you guys want to do heroes and zeros, and a couple of Dortmund players are involved there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, there was a Super Cup yesterday um, in Germany. Quite a lot of younger players were involved. I think Christian Pulisic uh, became the youngest ever goal scorer in uh, a German Super Cup, which is probably one of the most useless stats that you'll hear all season. Um, He's also the first American to score in the German Super Cup. I don't know, is that equally useless? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, have there been any Australians that have done that? I'm just wondering. Matthew Leckie? I don't think he's played for a team that won the team, <laughs> <laughs> at least in a, in a good while. But um, yeah, Robbie um, Cruz, Robbie Cruz, Robbie Cruz. You're going to put me off if you keep saying Robbie Cruz. Are you aroused, Connor? A little bit, but yeah. Um, the, the, the obviously Dortmund have a very young core. Um, one of the the players I wanted to mention is uh, Dan Axel Zagadou, who made his, his uh, competitive debut, if you want to call it competitive for Dortmund, um, on Saturday night. And and yeah, he was he was just quite solid throughout. Looked very good for, for such a young player. It'd be interesting to see how he sort of cements himself into the team during the season. But uh, yeah, it looks like Bosch wants to uh, sort of actually use a, a lot of his young players, as Tuchel did before uh, he left, obviously. And then on Sunday, um, Isaac, a young Swedish striker, um, scored four goals against uh, Rortweiss Airfort, um, who, I mean, had played an actual proper competitive game at the weekend before that so I don't know how much we want to read into that but obviously goals are goals and uh, can't argue yeah. with four goals yeah even even in against a team that are a lot worse and have played an actual game yeah here, but here's weekend. here's my take it's better than scoring zero goals so 
hot, hot takes from hot Jack. Take. Um, I feel, I feel Dan, we're going to struggle to argue with that. Dan Axel Zagadu really looks like... Uh, it looks to be another one that PSG have kind of let go under the radar. It started with um, Coman, then it's J.K. Augusta, and now it is the big, big, big left back. Or is that what is he? A left back, center back, center yeah, back, left, left, back, back? left back, or center back? But he's, uh, he's just he's four really centimeters tall, shy of two tall. meter, two meters tall almost. Yeah, he 1. he looks 9. like he's re- a really immense player for Dortmund, and they're kind of like Schmelz is good, but they've always kind of been a bit light on at left yeah. back i feel not that i watch a huge amount of Dortmund games but that's yeah, my so hot take six, six foot five yeah. yeah and in any case he's just another incredible prospect for france and that generation i think we've spoken a little bit about it on the podcast before because obviously there was a bit of french there's a lot of interesting french stuff happening last season um and there are a lot of interesting french young players breaking through at the moment um Zagadou is just another one that is just going to make this generation of French players that are coming through at the moment really really interesting to watch in the next five ten years um I can't wait to see them at a tournament and yeah maybe in, maybe not 2018 but by even by 2020 2022 I think we're going to be seeing some really really nice football and potentially Zagadou will be one of the key players in, at the back so there's yeah. just so much so much competition for those those youth sides it's crazy yeah, and I mean, obviously, the best French youth product, uh, Jean-Philippe Gerbermann, uh, has already chosen the Ivory Coast, so I don't know what we're talking about. But, <laughs> well, this is actually potentially a nice segue into our featured interview this week. Steve-O spoke to Marketing, known as at PSG Taurus on Twitter, to hear a bit more about the heartbreak of Zachary's exit and, of course, the small matter of Neymar's record-shattering transfer the other day. So, welcome, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, so firstly, obviously, Neymar has arrived in Paris, 222 million euros. Uh, what does it mean for PSG? What does it mean for PSG's ownership? And how does Neymar change the team? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, having a player of Neymar's quality is, uh, is going to be quite a boost for the team, I think it goes without saying. I think the um, PSG's ownership obviously decided that um, the team really needed a, a, a marquee sign-in to lead it. I think last year, after Zlatan um, left in the summer, uh, we didn't really have one as, as such. I mean, our biggest uh, biggest name is probably Edison Cavani, um, but he's not really in that sort of... I mean, Cavani's been great for us, but he's not in that top bracket of sort of world uh, players in terms of uh, profile. And um, I think with Neymar, you're getting a, getting a guy like that, someone who's known around the world and who can sort of be the image of PSG for the next few years. Um, so I think for the owners, I think that's probably key to have that sort of have that marquee player but I think in terms of the team uh, it gives us another option up front which we've really been lacking as I said Cavani's been the only the only choice really and he was brilliant for us last season uh, but if he got an injury we'd be in a bit of trouble so to have uh, a player of Neymar's quality to sort of take the goal scoring burden off him a bit is really really useful Do you think now with Neymar's 222 million euro signing comes the need to, to sell off a few players uh, I think I heard today the news that Benafa was packing his bags and getting ready to say goodbye, even though he was pretty woeful last season. Um, just in terms of depth, do you think now that there might be a few problems should a few injuries arise? Do you think the yeah, problems could arise now having to sell for a few players to, to fund the move? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, yeah, it looks like Benafa's off. Um, I don't think he'll be missed by anyone. I think his, uh, his main contribution last season was to make some funny videos on Instagram, which uh, I think everyone enjoyed. Uh, so walking moodily by a canal, you know, looking like a hard student or something. Um, but anyway, uh, 
yeah, I think definitely some sales are on the cards. Um, I think that's the sort of downside of the Neymar move is that it probably wasn't the most pressing need in our squad. We did need another option up front, but um, we're quite light on midfield, as you say, and I think um, probably the most likely candidate to move on. Um, there's two, actually. There's Gregor Kuchowiak, who came in last summer and has been a bit of flop. Uh, doesn't seem to be in the plans of the coach at all. Uh, and there's also Blaise Matuidi, who has been linked with a move with, to Juventus for a while. Um, and I think he might be on his way out as well. And if those two both go, we're really quite short of options in central midfield. So, yeah, I think in terms of defence as well, we might see Serge Aurier go out because um, he's falling quite down the pecking order due to his off-the-pitch antics. And um, he offers you cover. He's obviously predominantly a right-back, but he offers you cover at centre-back as well. So um, you take him out of the equation and we've only got three options at centre-back, really, one of which is uh, Fresnel Kimpembe, uh, who's from our youth system, who did really well last season, but he's only got sort of... He's only in his second season as a real sort of... Uh, go-to player for the first team so I think we're short in central defence and we're short in midfield uh, and Neymar isn't going to solve either of those problems Going along those lines of uh, Kimpembe do you think with this thinner lighter squad does it offer um, some more opportunities to some other um, Sterling Academy prospects uh, that otherwise may have slipped through the system like Kingsley Coleman or JK Augustin have in recent years Yeah definitely um I think particularly in midfield, um, Christopher and Kunku made real big strides last year. And I think Unai Emery, um, he had sort of quite a difficult first season as coach. But I think one of the things he did really well was give sort of meaningful opportunities to young players. Uh, we've seen Adrian Rabiot really establish himself as a first team, uh, you know, pick. Um, and also in Kunku made a lot of appearances in some big games last season. Um, I think it will be interesting to see what happens with him. There's been talk of sending him out on loan uh, to get game time. But if, as I say, if Matuidi leaves, I think we'll probably need him as cover in midfield if we don't bring anyone else in before the window closes. So I think he's definitely one who, who could benefit in the short term. And we've also got sort of young players we've brought in from elsewhere, like uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, who might sort of see a bit more game time as a result of uh, you know, the shortages in the squad elsewhere. Do you think uh, Dan Axel Zagadou could have been a, a strong option for a, a backup centre back uh, if he had stayed at the club? Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I'll confess to have not seen much of him play, to be honest. But I know that the club were really keen to keep him, and I think they did quite a lot of um, quite a lot of work behind the scenes to try and persuade him to stay. But I mean, at the same time, you can see from his point of view that he probably thinks uh, a move to Dortmund is a better sort of prospect for him in terms of getting regular game time. I mean, Zagadou, he's probably thinking, well, I'm a best like fourth choice behind Silva, Marquinhos and Kimpembe. So, yeah, and that's assuming we don't bring anyone else in sort of thing. So you can see how he's thought, I'll go to Dortmund. I'm probably, he's probably going to elevate me to the first team more quickly. I might play in the Champions League and then, you know, you don't know where your career is going to go after that. So I think he's, Realistically, if he wants to get into the first team quickly, I think Dortmund's probably a better prospect, and that's the sort of the dilemma these young players face at PSG and, and the other super clubs, isn't it? You know, it, they want to they want to progress and they want to play first team football, but at the same time, if you're going to be on the books of a big club, you're going to have to accept that you've got to be patient, wait for the opportunity to come along. And I think 
uh, particularly we've seen in the past with someone like Kinsey Common, who you mentioned. I think he was sort of just got a bit impatient and he wanted, he, you know, he thought he'd made it before he'd even barely started his career. And I think, you know, PSG got a lot of stick for letting him go, but I think that was sort of, there were definitely two sides to that situation. I think Coman's behaviour wasn't, uh, wasn't ideal. So, yeah, um, you sort of, you can see it from both sides, but I think from, from Sagadu's point of view, I think the move to Dortmund is like quite a sensible one. Yeah, Kingsley, Coman, Bernie's Bridges at Juventus as well. No, I know that all too well. Um, but going on again with the uh, looking for opportunity, moving even now for Champions League is J.K. Augustine. Do you think someone like him, uh, if Edinson Cavani goes down, do you think there's also a bit of a, a lack of uh, out-and-out goal scorers in PSG's squad? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a big problem last year. Um, and I think I was quite disappointed that Augustine didn't play more than he did. Um, I think there was an off-pitch element to that as well with um, sort of a few arguments with the coach and the, and the management. Um, I think Augustine's a good player. I don't know that he's going to go on. I know he scored a lot of goals for the sort of age group teams, particularly for France, but I don't know that he's going to go on to be a sort of elite level player. So again, it's probably a move to sort of Leipzig where he's more likely to play regularly is probably good from his point of view. But I do think he could have played a role in the PSG squad if he'd been happy to be a sort of bench player sort of um, uh, coming in for Cavani where needed and it was a bit of a shame how it's worked out. I was expecting him to be loaned out this season and we'd keep a sort of we'd keep an option on him in case he can develop his game a bit more. So I'm a bit disappointed that he's he's gone out on a permanent sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm not convinced that he's gonna be like a real top top level player if I'm honest. But is it worrying considering the fact that you have players like uh Hesse still on, on the roster uh, that you were unable to keep someone like that and now might have to uh, give minutes to some players that it might have been less favourable to give them to? Yeah, it really is. I mean, Hesse has been a massive flop, as you can you probably know. Um, uh, pretty much everything that's gone wrong or that could have gone wrong has gone wrong for him since he's been at PSG. And um, yeah, to have him still hanging around when you're seeing uh, Augustin go out and leave the club is, is, is a bit frustrating. Um, so yeah, I think that's we're still paying the price for last summer's recruitment, which was almost universally a disaster. And uh, yeah, if we weren't stuck with Hesse, maybe Augustan still be with us, and uh, and you know, um, it still have a future for PSG. Moving on to the Champions League, which seems to be the big dream of the Qatari owners. Do you think that the squad profile as it is gives PSG a realistic shot or do you think the squad might be too young, lacking uh, some veteran leadership or do you see that in players like Ferrati, Marquinhos to, to, and Neymar, of course, to, to bring that leadership in and now set winning big games to the team? Yeah, um, it's really interesting because one of the things which um, was levelled at PSG last season in the wake of the horrible game in the new camp that we don't talk about is... Uh, that um, there was a lack of leaders in the team. But, I mean, I think the profile of the team has been changing quite a lot in the last couple of years. And the um, the sort of old guard are being moved out and uh, you'll see the younger profile. Um, whether we've got the right balance to win the Champions League at the moment, I'd have to say, I think it's unlikely. I think even, obviously, Neymar gives you a better chance. And also, Danny Alves is a massively sort of, He's got the potential to be a massively important figure in the dressing room, I think. But uh, for me, 
I think the leadership's probably there with guys like that and also the sort of the existing players, just sort of Thiago Motta, who's massively experienced, uh, even like Thiago Silva, who's the captain. I mean, people have had their say about whether he's a good leader or not, but you can't say he hasn't got good experience and brings something to the team. So I think the I think the experience is there. It's got quite a nice mixture with the younger players as well, but I just think in terms of quality, there's a few issues like we talked about before in midfield and defensive, we get injuries. And also in goal, I mean, the Kevin Trapp's sort of okay, but he's prone to a howler. And the other option is Alphonse Ariola, who's a product of the, a product of the um, Youth Academy, who came in quite a lot last season. There were high hopes for him, but he quite often didn't perform and um, he put in some really, some really disappointing displays. So I think... Uh, most PSG fans would say we we even need a we need a new goalkeeper or one of those guys that needs to step up um, before we can be talked about serious Champions League uh, contenders. On to something slightly unrelated to the scouted focus, but Danny Alves is signing that's really interested in me. I was a massive fan of his last year as a Juventus fan. I defended him quite often to Juventus fans about what he brings to the team, how actually strong he is defensively and offensively. Um, and also just his experience, his his knowledge in playing in the Champions League specifically, which is just his the just competition that he just loves shining in. Um, do you think he'll be penned more into a right back role, despite how excellent uh, Thomas Munier was last season, or do you see him uh, playing more on the right wing and maybe bringing a bit more experience to a very youthful attack? Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to know how the team's going to set up. Uh, now we've got the Neymar. Uh introduction to, to fit in um, I think you're right when you say Mounier was um, was excellent last year I think he was the real sort of gem of last year's uh, recruitment uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of rubbish brought in but Mounier's certainly been a big success and I think he can only get better at having a guy like Danny Alves there to learn from um, I think Alves is probably going to play in defence more I'd say uh, it depends how um, Emery likes a 4-2-3-1 but last season we mainly played 4-3-3 but I'm kind of hoping now we've got Neymar that we're going to see more of the 4-2-3-1 because I think that's got a lot of promise um, but there's a lot of competition in the wide positions if we assume we sort of play that formation you've got the likes of uh, Di Maria and Draxler Javier uh, Pastore can do a job out wide as well and then there's Lucas Moura whose future's a bit uncertain but you know he's another option um, so I think we're likely to see Alves at right back mainly. Um, I suspect he's not going to play every game at his age, but I think hopefully he can make a decisive contribution in the big games. We saw on Saturday um, in the first league game of the season against Amiens, um, he put in the cross for Cavani's opening goal, so um, already he's really making an impact um, following on from his, uh, his display in the Trophy de Champions, the sort of curtain raiser of the season where he scored a goal and also made an assist. Yeah, Danny was really phenomenal in that game, and that cross was amazing, but just his contribution throughout the entire game, uh, I think he was close to having the most passes of any person on the field from from right back. Um, he was just insane. But uh, moving further forward, there's a bit of a logjam now of those young winger-attacking midfield-type players with um, Lo Celso, Lucas, Gonzalo Guedes, Hesse, obviously, Draxler. Um who do you see getting minutes? Do you see maybe if, if you play that four-two-three-one, someone like Lo Celso um, playing in that central role behind the striker, or 
do you, who do you see who do you see being dropped out and who do you see um, working their way into the starting eleven? It's yeah, it's a, it's a nice problem to have because there's a lot of quality there. Really, um, I think the Salso, uh we don't really know what his best position is at the moment, but he seems to be able to do a bit of everything, either playing a, in a two or a three deeper or going that role behind the strikers. So um, I'm hoping we'll see more of him and Gwedish uh, this year. I think. Um, Gwedish was quite underused in the second half of last season, having come off such a such a good, you know, start in Portugal. We got the move, and then we didn't. We barely saw him. Saw a few five minute cameos here and there. So hopefully, a bit more for him, a bit more for the Celso. Um, I think in terms of going out, uh, Lucas's days could be numbered. He hasn't. He wasn't even on the bench on Saturday, and I think most PSG fans would be quite happy if we managed to find someone who'd take him off our hands. I mean. His stats were good last year. I think he got 17 goals, but really, if you watched him play, you'd sort of struggle to comprehend how that happened. He's a very limited player, in my opinion, and if we can get some money for him, I'd definitely move him on. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, I think his days might be numbered, but hopefully the other young guys will get, get a bit of game time. And for the last question, uh, do you think that the, the youth academy at PSG is leaning towards the, the Chelsea route? Or do you think that, uh, so what I mean by the Chelsea route is just seeing uh, the academy as a commodity, a way to make money for the club to, to fund the senior team's transfer market? Or do you still see a realistic pathway between the academy and the first team, even as the Qatari owners continue to, to take PSG into this uh, this new era of big spending, marquee, Galactico-style signings? I think that they're spending a lot of money on the on the youth academy first of all, on the new training complex, which will hopefully be sort of in the sort of Manchester City kind of mould of kind of amazing facilities. And I think you've also got to look at the catchment area that they've got. The sort of Ile de France region around Paris is one of the sort of most fertile breeding grounds for young footballers in the world. Really, I mean, if you looked at the list of French players from you know great French players from the past. Uh, born in Paris region is, is phenomenal really you've got like Mbappe and Pogba today just as two examples off the top of my head so I think it would be foolish to think that we can't pick up players from that area and bring them through to the first team um, I think PSG haven't been great at doing that in the past but they're hopefully getting better at it now and I think realistically you could have this season a team where, where Aviola uh, Pembe and Rabiot are all playing in the first team like for a big game they, they could all be you could all, you could sit all three of them first team picks uh, for, for you know the bigger matches and I think that probably compares quite favourably to you know other big clubs in, in Europe so I think there's definitely going to be opportunities for, for players who are good enough to progress into the first team but at the same time there also has to be that element of um, you know the sort of Chelsea player can play about um, thing because PSG need to to make money to satisfy FFP regulations, particularly in light of this sort of Neymar deal and the phenomenal sums of money that surround that. So I think for players at the sort of uh, Augustan level, where you know maybe they're sort of a second or third tier with the in the nicest possible way player, I think if you can make a few million euros on those and keep things ticking over, I think that's great. But I don't think we're going to get to a stage like Chelsea where you don't see a youth player in the first team squad for years and years because 
because there's so many good players there and we're finally seeing the fruits of that at PSG rather than at other French clubs, which has always been the sort of traditional thing, the traditional mode has been all oh, these great players from Paris travel all over France to get first team football, but now, you know, PSG is starting to pick them up and hopefully give them an opportunity. Now, I did say that that was going to be the last question, but I've just thought of one more. Um, the PSG owners, as I said, have fantasized about the Champions League. Um, what do you think? Do you think they plan on winning the Champions League this season? What do you think the goal of the owners is? What do you think a realistic uh, goal should be? And when do you think it might be the earliest that PSG uh, can win the Champions League? Yeah, <laughs> well, we've never been past the quarterfinals before. So as far as I'm concerned, if we were to get past the quarterfinals this season, I would consider that a success. Um, however, the owners probably have different opinions to that. I think having laid out so much on Neymar, I think they probably think we can win it this year. But realistically, I think uh, maybe the season after the next, I don't, maybe the season after this, rather say in two years' time, if we've, when we've had a bit more opportunity to strengthen other areas of the squad, um, we might be ready to do it. I think you also have to look at um, Unai Emery as well, the coach, that's assuming he's coached for the next two seasons. Um, you know, last year was his first year in the Champions League, and while he's had a lot of success in the in the Europa League, it's uh, obviously a completely different level. So I think as his experience grows and we sort of start to get the, the benefits of his expertise, I think that can only can only help us as well. So yeah, I'd say probably not this year, but maybe the year after with a couple more additions, we could be good to go. Awesome. So hopefully, pending uh, the successful integration of Neymar, uh, PSG should have a great season. But thank you very much for joining us, Matt. Uh, before you leave, do you have any, any anyone or anything you'd like to shout out as you leave the show? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's been, uh, been fun chatting. Um, I'm also part of the uh, uh, PSG Talk podcast, which is a sort of regular regular podcast about all things PSG and if you'd like to look up uh, the show and the accompanying website which is really good uh, for the good writers it's at PSG Talk on Twitter Awesome, thank you very much Matt have a good evening And you, cheers. I'm sure everyone will agree that that was a, a very interesting interview so thanks once again Matt for coming on uh, for that, uh, really looking forward to seeing how Neymar got on but obviously that's French football spoken at length now We've also covered a bit of German football. Obviously, in the other, in another Super Cup, if you want to call it that, um, the, the Community Shield in England, um, Arsenal obviously won, and Alex Wobi was a real driving force. I thought. I don't know what you guys saw of that game. Uh, I did. I did not see it. I started uh, watching Seska against Ruben Kazan this morning. But no, he yeah, he was. Maybe we'll have some impressive. of the some of the Arsenal guys from Scouted come on and talk about that in the future yeah well obviously we, we've had phil last season um phil costa that came on and spoke at length about it won't be um and there's a very nice piece by him uh if you want to look back in the archives about sort of nigerian youth at the moment um so definitely uh check that out if you've got time sfhandbook.com revamped looking schmick yeah um i know there's just one more here right i don't know if one of you guys put this in um but uh <laughs> paul mullin for swindon um, what a performance that was yesterday. Scored a diving header um, and just 22 years of age. Uh, so, goal on his debut. Very exciting times. Um, yeah, yeah. Connor, Connor's told us that Swindon are going back up. He heard it here first, peeps. So, he's excited. Time for zeros. Um, we'll start off. I have a, have a bit of a serve as a Juventus fan. I've watched Mario Lemina play over the last two years since he arrived from Marseille. 
And after seeing him depart for 18 million euros, uh, I saw a lot of Southampton fans very excited about the prospect of seeing Lemina play for their club. Um, I wrote about him at length in the Scatter Football Handbook available on sfhandbook.com last, uh, earlier this year. And 18 million euros is not something to be too happy about. Uh, Lemina, he's, he's, he's quite a limited player. He's just the quintessential average player. Not, not good at anything in particular, no outstanding trait. Uh, and the best players all can, you can generally think of one amazing thing that they do. Whereas Lemina, he's not very tactically intelligent and that's probably one of the reasons why he struggled at Juventus a lot of the time and why he might be better in the Premier League. He's not great with his feet. He's not a great passer. He's a reckless tackler at times. Doesn't really score, go forward and score many goals. Um... So that's my opening roast, opening zero of the season. Mario Lemina to Southampton, 18 million euros, thumbs down. Just to do a quick devil's advocate, don't you think 18 million maybe only buys you an average player in this market if you're a Premier League team? Well, to think that Yuri, Yuri Tillemans went to Monaco for 25 million euros is still value. Yeah, yeah, but maybe maybe if Lemina goes to France, he doesn't cost as much. That's I just think maybe teams are trying to take advantage of Premier League teams, which they should. You should try to get as much money from them. There is the aspect of the Premier League tax, but I think Lemina was going to go for 18 million euros. Valencia were kind of in negotiations for him at times. I just think he was one of those players that was just overvalued by pretty much every club that was looking at him and it kind of bumped his price up. Whereas I think there's there would have been, might have been value elsewhere, maybe earlier in the market, um, and maybe Southampton were just stretched for options later. Yeah, fair, in, fair in enough. I guess now. Juve, Juve do, you know, they're going to have a minimum price threshold. They're not just going to sell for cheap just to get rid of, you know, if he was coming from Sassuolo or something, instead of going to Juve, he went to Southampton for more. Okay, sure, you, I could see that. Sorry to, I'll let you get yeah, back to the zeros. It, it, it always, it always depends on who you're buying from who's desperate for cash, whether the player wants to leave. And so Juventus obviously were in quite a strong position where they didn't have to let go of him um, to fund anything else. But when the money came up and the price was right, they were happy to get rid of him to get a better midfielder in because that's something that Juventus desperately need. Do you think they have it in Bentancur? Uh, he'll be a good player, but he won't. he's not ready to regularly start. I'm still so cut that um, we miss out on... Corentin Tolisso, because uh, he's going to be amazing for Bayern, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm. I don't think Benton, he'll play a few games, but they'll be against the likes of uh, Benevento and uh, Hellas Verona. I don't think he's he's ready for the big games yet. Maybe even Crotone, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess one of the one of the heroes I'll have to say I'll have to go back and say that is. Um, Crotone's manager because he rode his bike from Crotone to Turin. Since yeah, they were an amazing season last year. And they've oh. just taken um, another young Juventus midfielder, uh, Mandragora, on loan for the new season. So he'll be another one to keep an eye oh, on there. Uh, former Pescara, yeah. It's uh, Davide Nicola. I have to give a quick shout out to him since we missed a lot of things this summer. But yeah. If, what was it they they needed I think oh, they need to win like every single one of their last four games or something it was like that the most up. epic great escape with like 12 games they just started winning they'd won one game like even on the last day they needed they were playing uh, Empoli were playing the relegated Palermo and they needed Empoli to to lose and they needed to win and it somehow happened yeah Palermo were like the trashiest team in, in all of Europe last season just about yeah 
<laughs> Before this gets so silly, let's uh, move on. Yeah, so here's a here's a zero, and that's gonna be Bartra ruining it for the the young kids of Dortmund in the Super Cup yesterday because he had the the ultimate penalty that was saved by Sven Ulreich. So that's zero number two. Yeah, who, Mark should Bartra. To, who should they have got to take it, Jack? Clearly, Alexander Isak, I guess, but no, Christian Pulisic had been subbed off. He scored the opener, but wasn't Someone there. Someone under it? the age of 23, I think, they would have scored it. That's exactly right, Connor. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Isak or Pulisic, two, two guys that are under 23 that didn't take it. Okay, and our last Bale, negative... Bale already took one. He's, he's great. And our last negative of the segment, because we don't like harping on about the negatives too much, but... Uh, Monaco sold Bernardo Silva for 50 million euros in the summer and they're aiming seemingly to replace him with Ronnie Lopez. Um, and he's only played one competitive game of that I've seen for them this season uh, against... Who are they playing, Jack? It was against PSG? That was against or was it against Blues? Oh, I didn't Toulouse know who their at... opponents were, but I just knew, expected them to lose. <laughs> And uh, out on the right wing, he was not dynamic in any way, shape, or form like Bernardo Silva was last year. Uh, Bernardo, every time he got the ball, was always slicing through the midfield uh, towards the wings, always incisive, whereas uh, Lopez kind of got himself into into cul-de-sacs quite often, Uh just didn't have that dynamism on the ball that Bernardo Silva has, so it might be a might make them into a lopsided attack where they're um, focusing on the left wing with Lamar and when Mbappe drips wide, uh, drifts wide uh, for their attack because Ronnie Lopez looks like a bit of a step down from those players. But to what extent do you think that the like so if you were going to say like a percentage, like how much of that is a problem at the feet of Ronnie Lopez and how much of it is a problem at the feet of AS Monaco and their management. Yeah, I think I think Jardim will be able to sort it out because he's shown that previously in the past he played a very defensive style where they didn't concede a whole lot, and then last year they scored three goals a game. I think but, they got players to, to to like swap around maybe the system as well. Um, Gabriel Bosquilia and and Adama Traore. They got a few different options. I wouldn't. I would would actually be interesting if they swapped it around to a four three three for a couple of games. But um, Falcao's just been so awesome that, and and Bappe's so awesome, and Lamar's been so awesome that all three of them like, he can't really drop one of them to to try it out. No, no, and when they can recover, twice against Toulouse and then score the game-winning goal late on, I think you you stick with that. But yeah, it's it's something to watch, and especially in the Champions League, that because you know they they can't play like that in the Champions League. Yeah, they got a bit lucky on the weekend though with a couple of nice set pieces. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get the attack fully functioning like it was last year without Bernardo Silva, who was probably the key piece in in making that attack so fluid and effective last season. Yeah, but M- M- Mbappe just played his twentieth league uh, game, so that's I mean that's really exciting. He's already at this level. Yeah, I think he's going to have to take up a lot of the mantle of, of carrying carrying the attack, and it, I, I wouldn't be. Surprise if you if you see him drop a little bit deeper, and ha- see Falcao play that real target man role, and and Mbappe kind of roam in that space, use his pace, and drift wide as well onto the left wing, aiding um, Tom Lamar. 
maybe they go that the four two three one and he has a free roll, you know. Even Lamar in that position would be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's going to wrap up Heroes and Zeros. We'll do it better next week. But um, we're going to move on to our games to watch for the next week. Connor's got one in there featuring everyone's favorite young manager who almost could be in one of the scouted football, scouted handbooks is <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously he's just turned 30. So um, getting on the wrong side. Uh, I mean, he's a bit over the hill, I imagine. But um, yeah, I mean, Hoffenheim have had an interesting summer, to say the least. Obviously, in losing Nicolas Zula and Sebastian Rudy, you've lost two of the sort of key cogs in last season's system. Um, but uh, you've got the likes of Jeremy Tolyan coming off a really, really solid summer youth level for Germany. Um, there's a potential debut next week against Rotweiss Airfort in the German Cup uh, for Serge Nabry. Um, and I think just generally there's been some, some quite interesting business. So I think there'll be an interesting team to watch again. Um, might be a little bit of a one-sided game. Um, I mean, to be fair, Hoffenheim sometimes labour it a little bit in the cup. Um, remember a few years ago, losing 4-0 to a, a fourth division side from Berlin. So that was uh, obviously quite fun. But they would, they won't have Tim Wieser in goal this time. They'll have Oliver Bauman. So I think should be quite solid. The WWE wrestler himself. Exactly. Um, and I mean, there's a few there's a few games that look quite interesting. I think I'm going to be watching uh, Tusk Koblenz against Dynamo Dresden. Interesting story around that. There's not really that many sort of interesting players in terms of a European sense uh, for people to watch. But um, Koblenz uh, can't play at home, uh, so they've had to move the stadium. But they've been rejected by so many different clubs uh, that they're playing it about an hour away from Dresden. It's like the other side of the country. They're playing it in Zwickau, which is like nearby. So basically a home game for Dresden but that might be interesting if you're uh, lame and want to watch that um, but yeah um, obviously still in Germany the season's yet to properly kick off at the top level um, it, if you're going to be wanting to look at top level games you're going to be waiting another week until sort of the 18th I think the first game of the season is for the Bundesliga I'm looking forward to the to the Italian Super Cup Juventus Lazio uh repeat of the uh the Coppa Italia final from last season that Juventus won. Uh, but Lazio Lazio have kept a very um very similar squad to the one last season. They've pretty much kept all of their their, their key players except for um Bilia who went to to Milan. Um but with Milinkovic Savic and, and Immobile uh Keita Belde is still there, hasn't moved yet, although he's been linked to Juventus. Um, I think it's going to be a really fascinating game, especially with a, a week in Juventus team from that final last year. I think it'll be a, a lot closer than that game was. Yeah, um, I guess I will say Tuesday, we have to mention that it is the UEFA Super Cup Real Madrid Man United. So if you watch all those all those big games, you'll watch that one. But um, I like I like the picks that you had, Connor. Thank Going you very much. Some, some lower league action. In terms of the Premier League, there's a few interesting ones as well. Obviously, on the, on this on the Friday night, going into the league, Arsenal against Leicester. Um, so that should yeah, be, be a cracker. Quite good. Obviously, Ian Nacho will be on show there. Hopefully, we'll hopefully be able to see him. Yeah, Ian Nacho against Lacazette is is a great matchup. It'll be okay, I think. Um, I don't know. I think, I think Lacazette, <laughs> Lacazette is like a guy that. The final is a chance in the Premier League. Yeah, 
Um, and then obviously on the Saturday, uh, we've spoken a lot about Man City. Uh, they're playing in the evening game against Brighton, which is the was Brighton's first game ever in the Premier League. Um, so that might be quite interesting. Uh, there's a couple of younger guys in the and Brighton squad as well. So Swansea Southampton looks like it could be a real cracker as well. Both teams, like Swansea have really strengthened over the summer. And I think Southampton have as well. But I'm looking forward to Tammy Abraham up front for Swansea. Could be a revelation this season in the Premier League. And he killed it last year in the Championship, which I'm sure you could tell us a little bit more about, Jack. Um, but Tammy was also good at the under-21 Euros, and I think he's ready for a big season. Yeah, I think uh, anyone who's been watching Tammy at all knows that now he's he's going to have a chance in the Premier League, and that's amazing for him. And Paul Clement, I think, with with Swansea's doing a good job. If and I mean, they still have Gilfie, don't they? They still have Gilfie for now, but maybe not forever. Well, they'll be able to buy a bunch of a bunch of young talent when they sell them, though. But Swansea have the master playmaker um, Tom Carroll, who is absolutely killing it at the moment. So, no need for Gilfie when you've got Tom Carroll, who had a hat trick of assists uh, the other day in a friendly. How old is Tom Carroll these days, anyway? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Uh, close enough to to scouted age. I think we're really, really getting lax if we're allowed that as a as a discussion point. Yeah, that's but that's thirty five years old. Uh, close old. enough to scout at age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have allowed yeah. Julian Nagelsmann, so why not? You've you've allowed me to still come back on the podcast at twenty five. So what was that, Marcello Lippi? Oh yeah, he's what eighty one. Yeah, close enough. I think he has a bright future in the game, Steve. So <laughs> what a fantastic week of games to watch that's going to be so all right that does it for us on this episode of scouted says we hope you all enjoy and you can follow me i'm jack grimsey on twitter connor garrett is at connor garrett steven is at steven scouted remember to keep talking to us on twitter we love interacting with you and until next time this has been scouted says goodbye <laughs>